Welcome everyone to the Ken Hill Podcast. I'm Ken Hill. My goal with the podcast is to share the techniques and habits of what the best motorcycle riders in the world do to thrive and survive in a sport that has consequences. Using my 20 plus years of riding and training at the highest levels, I want to make these techniques and habits accessible to every rider in the world. The podcast structure is deliberate. I don't have sponsors. The duration relative to many other podcasts is short, making it simple to listen multiple times, and I only release a new podcast when I feel I have something to share. I'm not cranking out podcasts because my sponsors say I need to. You listeners are my sponsors, and I appreciate the donations, which can be made via the podcast page on my website, khcoaching.com. And now, here's today's episode. Welcome to the Ken Hill Podcast. This is your host, Ken Hill. All right, let's uh, let's do a little housekeeping um, for this intro. And this is podcast number 92. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, all right, so a little bit of housekeeping. I've had some uh, people reach out to me wanting to read uh, the full intro from um, what I did on that base uh, motopilot guide where I read out of it. And I have that up on the website. So if you go to the website on post, you'll see the, the you'll see the full uh, full version of that. Uh, so added that. Everybody wanted that, so I think that's great. Um, second is, uh, of course, yeah, you do, you do more podcasts and you get some donations. So huh, funny how that works. And as everyone knows, these are. Um, there's no sponsors, right? This is just just me getting this information out there, and I do appreciate the donations. They do um, they do make it feel like there's some value there for me. So I appreciate the donations, and if that's something that you want to do, you can also go to the podcast section of my website, uh, and there's a link there's a link there to do it uh, to to donate. So thank you very much. Um, third thing is I am going to be I am compiling questions right now actually for another AMA. Ask me anything. And uh, you can submit your questions to kenhillpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, I'd like to be able to get, uh, get a, f- a, few of those, a few of those going. I've got enough questions already for one, but I'd like to uh, kind of get a few more. So yeah, this, this podcast can honestly, it can be what you want it to be, uh, but you got to submit some questions in there uh, for me as well. So, all right. This podcast... Um, Oh yeah, this one actually is um, is one that is a little bit difficult to do in the podcast format. Um, we're we're going to do our best to to talk through it and explain it. But this podcast really has come from people confusing training with technique and because at, at the sharp end, there's really the, the way you break is the way you break. Meaning if you look at a break graph and we're going to go in and talk a lot about a break graph, how the break graph looks beginning of it, the end of it, the each side of the graph, it's just, it's just how it is. So, and it, 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 it involves um, both aspects of, of what we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to dive into that. And I think, it's easy to get caught up into, well, I'm this rider or I'm this rider. 
Uh, and, and really the reality is, is, is that we, we need to be adjustable. So the goal of this podcast is to bring this information out and and differentiate between all these all these different sort of catchphrases that are out there and um, realize okay how is it done at the sharp end what are the report cards for it and honestly then how you can actually go execute it so all right here we go with uh with podcast 92 should i be breaking harder shorter or longer lighter Oof, I've had this one in my notes uh, a long time, and um, it wasn't until I had a couple of experiences in the last few months on breaking uh, that I was like, okay, I, I got to finish this one. So I've got a lot of notes on this one, and uh, hang in there because it it's a pretty deep dive. So hang in there. So honestly, it's really, podcast is not necessarily the best uh the best way to be going through this, but you know what? That's what the podcasts are for, and the podcasts are here for you to start getting your brain going on these things and start getting your your knowledge going. So that's why we're doing it. So I get this all the time. Which one is it, right? Harder, shorter, or longer, lighter? And interestingly enough, it seems to be broken down into into two camps. I'm I'm a late breaker, right? I break late and hard everywhere, or I break longer and lighter. So so which which is it? And the short answer is it's it's both. To understand why it's both, we need to understand first. We need to understand why are we why are we even using the brakes, and how the brakes should be used depends on the upcoming situation or corner, and that understanding that there is timing of braking. And that ultimately is the main point of reference for brake usage, brake timing. And how you apply those brakes is what allows you to have the proper brake timing. So let's, uh, let's start our deep dive. And for this talk, we're only, we're only dealing with the front brake. So, all right. Why are we using the brakes? There's two main aspects of why we're using the brakes. And a lot of times this gets confused. A lot of times people think there's only one aspect. And of course, the, the first aspect is speed control, right? We gotta slow down. And a lot of a lot of times it's it's thinking, oh, I'm only gonna use the brakes for slowing. And yeah, of course, of course that's a huge part of, of what we're doing. You you need to slow down, right? You need to control your acceleration. And I'm gonna I'm gonna pause right there. And I'm going to say that again, right? We need to control our acceleration. And if you go back to some of my previous podcasts, we actually talk about why using the brakes is so important uh, for, for being able to accelerate better. So I just wanted to pause there for a second and talk about that. But I mean, really, that's only half the equation. The other half is direction control, controlling how we steer into and through the corner. And your bike is designed at the front for compressed at turn in, altering its geometry. Your your bike will turn in less time and distance. Now, okay, you're thinking, well, great, that's awesome. What if I'm driving a car? Right? Because it's motor this is this is about motorsports. And it's the exact same idea. Where, yeah, cars have got less suspension, of course, but you're still transferring weight. And it's it's very simple. If you've turned into a corner, and you decelerate, what happens to your radius? It tightens up. Well, if you decelerate by the brakes, 
it will do a couple things. One, it'll decelerate in less time and distance. And two, it'll decelerate to, to the, the goal that you want, right? It, it, it's going to decelerate to achieve what is best for that corner. So this is why it is so, so important. So, all right, let's get into why they're used both ways. And, you know, tracks typically don't have the same corner, right? Every corner is different, which is the beauty of our, our sport, right? And why it's so freaking hard. High-speed corners, tight corners, open fast corners, 180-degree corners, big entry corners, uh, big entry corners from high speed, right? They're all, they're all there. And if you're only a hard, short breaker, you're, you're going to do well in some of these shorter radius corners, typically 90 degrees or less that require a shorter overall break zone, and, but that's going to make it tough on, you know, longer entry corners or double apex corners or corners that, you know, just need a brush of the brakes for direction control. And we've got a lot more podcasts. If you want to dive into that one, we're not going to get too crazy on that one. So you, yeah, you'll, you'll be good, but you're really going to lack the finesse it takes to get into some of those corners that require a different brake application than that. So now, okay, great. You're only a, Oh, I'm only a lighter, longer breaker. Great. Honestly, you'll be great in entry corners, but you're going to struggle everywhere else. And the rider driver will really, you really never get up to a high pace because high pace demands high brake force to mitigate the time of a time of acceleration. Yeah, you can go pretty good, but ultimately you're going to you're going to get limited. So this is why again this is such an important topic to to distill. So lot to unpack here. And let's be clear, this is I, I think in using you know using my experience with this, this is the hard hardest part of learning to haul ass. This, this part, right? Understanding that a lot of it is on the entry and a lot of it is in how you apply the brakes and understanding brake timing. And it's, it's, also, it's also the most individual. Okay, so what, let's, let's, let's pause there. What does that mean? Meaning that how you interpret what you want the bike to do is individual, even though it's going to do the same thing, right? You and I might, might execute the same braking, but we want a different feel from that. And that's why setup, setup plays a part in you feeling, you interpreting what you want, how you want the fork to compress and fork setting is actually has a, a massive amount to do with brake feel, a ton to do with brake feel. So this is, it is a very, very important setting. So we'll, again, that though, is you can get, you can, uh, regardless of where your bike is at, if it's in a well-working envelope, you can actually do quite a lot of it. And we'll, we'll talk about that. So yeah, the, the graph is the graph, right? How you do it at the sharp end is how you do it at the sharp end. But yes, it, it is certainly individualized on how you want the bike to react to that. A couple stories there. A few stories there, actually. Is one, <clears throat> um, I was talking with um, a former uh, Yoshimura Suzuki crew chief. And uh, we, were, we were talking about <laughs> riders in general. 
And uh, he goes, Ken, I got to share something with you. He goes, and this is back when uh, Tony Elias was on the team and Roger Hayden on the team. And he goes, these guys are within two tenths of two tenths of a second. Their brake graphs look fairly close. Their bikes couldn't be more different. And when I mean more different, I'm not talking like a turn of preload different. I'm talking the geometry of the bike was 20 millimeters different front to back. Fork springs were different. All these things were different, but yet they were able to achieve the same thing. And that's part of what I do want to mention about the individual individuality when it comes to the setup of the bike, right? There is something there on how you want the bike to feel so you can get the desired result. Second story on that is uh, we had Ben Spees at one of the Yamaha schools and uh, we we're talking with Spees and uh, talking about testing and just different things with the bike. And he goes, yeah, he goes, honestly, the, the, the shock, I really don't care. He goes, the exits are the exits and the exits aren't exits aren't really that hard. You're just trying to get the bike accelerating as quickly as possible and trying to get it stood up because it's not that big a deal. He goes, they could, he goes, we did a shock test. They put three different shocks on the bike. And he goes, I honestly couldn't tell any difference. He goes, now the fork, he goes, I know my fork. I know what I want. And the fork has to be a certain way. And that's for me, that's the most important way of getting into the corner as quickly as possible and being able to get the bike picked up and driving. And I'm like, okay, yeah, now we got something. So yeah, it, it is how you, how you've set the bike up is very individual so you can accomplish what we're talking about. And then lastly, on this particular one was working with Hayden Gillum and Hayden was absolutely positively of the late breaking, hard breaking uh, camp. I mean, and, and to this day, right, there's very few riders that can break as well as he can in, uh, in Moto America. But as we worked with Hayden, uh, we actually were able to, we didn't get him to necessarily break earlier or later, we got him to brake more efficiently. And by doing that, we actually were able to soften up the front of the bike, which led to a lot of other really great things. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to this. Um, and again, I just wanted to make some comments on the individuality. So setup is a thing, but setup is to give you the ability to do what we're talking about. And if you're thinking, okay, well, dude, I got to have the latest Olin's front end or the latest K-Tech front end or whatever it is. Nah, you can you can get away with a pretty well set up stock bike unless it's unless it's really far out of the envelope, meaning it's not necessarily a, a sport bike to agree to a degree. Um, again, a story on that is when we had J.D. Beach uh, training with us is we'd bring J.D. Beach out and um, we we're at Chuckwalla multiple times. And well, J.D.'s training bike was essentially a stock R6 with slicks. And we actually, we started him on Q3s and then we brought him up to slicks and he was able to run at that time within a couple of seconds of the 600 track record on a stock R6 with slicks. So yeah, it matters, but you being an adjustable rider matters more. You, you have more control over this than you think. So, Okay. Let's let's start this next part by defining really what a brake graph is and what what the brake graph means. And I'm going to try to. It's very difficult without without the visual um, cues here, but we're going to do our best to uh, to give something for you to picture. A brake graph, a proper brake graph, whether it's a car bike, proper brake graph looks essentially like a shark fin. And there's some nuances to this for sure, but generally meaning that. 
if you divide the break graph between left and right, meaning the left side, if you go wherever the peak pressure is, peak pressure, and then anything from peak pressure left is the left side of the graph for speed control. Anything to the right of the peak, we want to think of that as direction control or more of the entry. And that is where our conversation, all this comes together, meaning brake timing, right? The left side of the graph is we got to slow down, right? Got to slow down, got to mitigate, get, got to mitigate our speed. The right side of the graph is typically is right side of the graph, meaning the graph is coming down because we've we're starting our turn into the corner. We're going to be giving up brake pressure as we turn in. Oh my God, trail braking. And as we, as we trail the brake off, that is now converted into steering the bike or steering the car where we want it to go. So that braking, we want to think of that as direction braking, right? Direction control. So left side of the graph is our speed control. Right side of the graph is our direction control. And right, that right there starts to hopefully open up your mind on, on the differences of the brake graph, why the brake graph is important, and why we call it brake timing, right? This is something that you think of it this way. If you walk into a room that has a light switch, you turn the light on and you turn it on and it's either on or off, right? And you're going to get whatever light that light puts out. There's no adjustment. That's sort of light switch breaking, right? On or off. Well, we want to be able to adjust the light in the room to whatever we want. So first of all, we don't take the light. We don't, if it's a rheostat, right? Adjustable. You just don't take the rheostat and flick it. And then whatever light you get, you get. No, you click the rheostat on and you turn it to the desired light that you want. And for whatever, for whatever reason, no difference than what we're trying to accomplish with our, with our break graph. So <clears throat> let's dive into how do we know what braking style to use? And Let's talk about some misconceptions here. Regardless of the upcoming corner at pace, the left side of your brake graph is almost always the same, meaning it has a sharp rise to the peak that's needed for that corner. Why? <laughs> because we gotta slow down, right? We have to slow down. And longer and lighter on the left side of the brake graph does not work. You brake early, the fork won't be in the right position, right? It won't be compressed correctly. Okay, wait, whoa, pause, pause, hang on there. That said, we absolutely use lighter, longer on the left side of the graph for training, for training. This is where we need to separate you being in a different camp, right? We'll use... We'll use that for training. So what, what kind of training? Why? Well, the most important aspect of braking is, is where to let off, right? Where to let off. We need to establish where to let off so we can build the correct graph for that corner. Overslowing entries typically comes from improper from an improper brake application. It's what I said about the light switch. Ooh, boom, boom, hope that's it. And if the rider or driver has too much too soon, 
they'll never be able to establish the correct end of breaking point. So we in training will make someone who's breaking say too much, too hard, too early, too soon. And then we will have them start being lighter and longer on the left side of the graph. Pause to establish the correct end of breaking point. All right, that was a lot. But let me pause here with a um, with a story. So JD Beach, when JD Beach made the the jump from 600s to uh, Superbike, uh, suddenly his braking became a big deal. Um, to go at the pace that was needed to win at a Superbike race, right? The 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 bike has got to be set up stiff enough to absorb all that force that he's putting into it, and. I'm quite honestly, JD struggled initially with how much brake pressure because he was used to being able to finesse the 600 a little bit more easily and suddenly a big step up with the thousand. So when we would do track walks or we would we would come up with our pre-race briefing, we would sit down with a track map and I didn't I don't I didn't have to worry about reference points with him. That's that's not a big deal. I didn't have to worry about some of these things with these tracks he's ridden for a decade. Instead, he wanted to know what his brake graph was supposed to be for each corner. So that way, when he went out and rode, he could shortcut what he was supposed to be doing. So he, he wanted to know what his brake graph was supposed to be before he rode. And I mean, that's how big of a deal this is. So yeah, that was, that was definitely some work. The other thing that this does is, you know, you're starting the process lighter longer to get your end of braking. Is it, boy, does it free up brain space? Man, is that a game changer on, on brain space. So how we use longer lighter for training is establishing the end of braking, not rushing your brain, and establishing the correct entry speed from, from here. And let's, let's pause and reconnect with the brake graph. Okay, so remember what we talked about. As we go quicker, the left side of the graph's got to come up. But our right side of the graph actually still remains very, very intact, very, very, very much the same. And what ends up happening is, as we go quicker, the left side of the graph has to get steeper. So as we go, as we go quicker, the left side of the brake graph has got to sharpen because we're trying now to, quote, break later. And, and mitigate our speed, or in some cases, depending if you're on a different bike, it's not necessarily braking later, it's having more more speed, more, and you have to have more force to be able to, to mitigate that. So the left side of the graph has to steepen, while the right side of the graph has to remain the same. So think about that, right? As you're going quicker, you're going to brake later, maybe you got more speed coming in. The left side of your brake graph, left side of your brake graph will have to steepen, but the right side stays the same because the right side, say after turn in, is what establishes your entry speed, your direction, and your end of braking. But the left side has to come up. And so this this is where, again, we introduce, yeah, you start after braking harder and shorter on the left side of the graph because you want to go faster, right? So, all right, how do different corners come into play? And it's simple. It all starts with the type of corner, right? Exit corner, entry corner, balance corner. We realize that at exit corner, the 
the break release or slow point comes before the apex. So start thinking about your break release points for exit corners. Entry corner might be at the apex or after the apex because it's an entry corner. And a balance corner is is adjustable based on what you're trying to get out of it. Maybe it's a, maybe it's something for um, competition, right? Racecraft. And honestly, this is this is all you really need to know is where you should be letting off the brakes for what kind of corner it is. And of course, drawing the corner backwards is really drawing this backwards from your brake release point is what gives you your brake graph. Oh, what does that mean? Okay, let's let's take some examples here. Um, let's use Laguna, right? Laguna Seca. Laguna Seca is undergoing a repave. Oh my gosh, I can't wait for that one. Uh, all right, so turn eleven, Laguna, right? So you're coming out of turn ten. It's fairly high speed, and you have a very very tight, tight sharp radius corner. So the left side of your brake graph comes up very quickly. It builds to its peak fairly quickly. And then the right side of the graph bleeds off quickly because it's a short radius corner. So again, that's how you think about that. Now we look at say turn two, big long entry corner. So at pace, you'll you'll still see a not you'll see a fairly sharp peak up, but it's slower getting to that peak because the longer's entry. The, the the entry is longer. So yeah, there's still a peak, but it takes more time to get to that peak because the entry's longer. And of course, the right side of the graph is very gradual. Actually, the left side of the graph and right side of the graph aren't that dissimilar because uh, of the way that corner's right out. They, that, that peak breaking and the releases is not that much different. Uh, then let's take a turn four, right? Turn four is more of a corner that we use the brakes for direction. So it's almost like a little bit of a brush. It There's still a peak on the left, or there's still a build to the left, and there's still a release. It's just not as high because that's what that corner offers. Turn five is actually very similar to, say, 11, uh, other than the, um, because it's not as tight as a radius, the right side of the graph is longer than, say, 11, because the radius is more open. And then turn seven is actually quite a bit like turn two, where there's a slow build up to the peak and then a release up uh, to the top. So, yeah, you, there's, there's, <laughs> there's a lot to this, a lot to this topic. So, okay. Whew. How do you apply this? How do you start actually, you know, getting going on this and, and starting your journey on this? And it starts with get a track map out. Identify what type of corner the corners are. And then from there, okay, so get a track map. What type of corner is it, right? Entry, 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 exit balance. And then you can put an X. Where is the slow point or, right, where is the break release. And that right there starts your, your thought process of, okay, that's where I should be letting off the break. And then on track, on track, use your brakes lightly enough to have brakes left over to get to the slow point. So I'm going to say that one again, right? So as you go to ride, use your brakes lightly enough to have enough brakes left over to get to the slow point. So 
build, figure out how you're going to work that equation backwards, right? It starts with getting to your break release point. As you add speed, build up the left side of your break graph. So you build up the left side of your break graph, but again, the right side after turning essentially stays the same. And as you come in and you can start to you know, write your notes on this and start to see how you do, did you end up breaking so hard? Did you, did you get it breaking lighter? But then when you break harder, did you not necessarily um, get to your slow point? Did you over break? And those are situations where we'll say, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to, you need to be lighter, longer at the end of your breaking, right? So we will use that terminology, but it's all going to be based individually on that corner. So yeah. Is it, uh, is it harder, shorter, or lighter, lighter, longer? And of course we know now the answer is both. And we, we now know that it takes a fairly deep understanding of this topic to get it right. And I'm telling you, this is one of the biggest bangs for the buck in being able to ride any bike anywhere, anytime, any conditions is if you could figure this out. It's also one of the hardest things that we're going to do on the bike. I, yeah, it's one of the hard, to haul ass. This is this is the hard one, but this is also what gives you the in some ways gives you the biggest bang for your buck. So there you go. A uh, lot to digest on this one, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Ken Hill Podcast, twenty twenty one, all rights reserved.